Lewis. What's up, what's up? It's your boy AT and your boy AE coming to you live and direct with another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life where we break down the bars, relate to the rhymes so we can shed light on our lives. Just listen. What's up? It's your boy AT coming to you live and direct with another episode of Bars, Rhymes, and Life. A huge lot of things I might have lost the plot, isn't it? Like you must have seen the title and the artist and be like, well, what's going on with this dude? Why is he, is he? What's wrong with him? Is he normal? But there are two reasons for me picking the track Buried Alive. Titled by Drake featuring Kendrick Lamar, but there is no Drake in this track. As far as I'm aware, there is no Drake in this track. It's all Kendrick Lamar. But the reasons, there are two. Reason number one, the last track we did was a Drake and Cole track. And they're floating and flirting with the idea of who's the go, who's number one. Is it K-Dot, Aubrey or me? That's the line I remember off the top of my head. So now I've decided to pick a Drake track featuring Kendrick. But weirdly, there is no Drake in this track. Second reason, I realise that this is most likely going to be the last episode before Christmas. Or as I like to call it, fakemas. I hate Christmas. Christmas is the biggest loser time of the year. How many people have reached out to you and said, uh, yo man, it's a kind of Christmas, should we, should we meet up? I've just said nah busy how many people have been like oh what are you doing this day what are you doing that day and i've not heard from them in ever and i'm like why are you messaging for i've literally said why are you messaging me for and they've gone they've just got confused and it's like oh we've got a few weeks off in it because it's christmas i was like oh is it taking christmas for you to realize i exist and then they've just not replied no more because christmas is the fakest time of the year you know there's lines like Tis the season to be jolly. Says who? Who the fuck says that you need to be jolly in fake Sember? Who, wh- why do we need to be jolly? The only thing you can not have against people regarding Christmas is people who celebrate uh, the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ. That is Christmas. Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ. I haven't got a bad word to say about anyone who celebrates that. Or pays respect to that. But I have mad beef with people who go, oh, it's the time for family. But actually, they ain't met that family for the whole year. They're only meeting for the first time in Christmas. Oh, it's a time for friendship. No, it's not. Oh, it's, a time, it's, such, a, it's such an amazing time of the year. 
it's the fucking shittest time of the year. It's the fakest time of the year. Fake Semba is just a huge marketing ploy. I got mans, I got man saying, uh, I mean, just like, can't come football training, can't do this, can't do that. I just need to get Christmas out of the way for the kids. Um, cause like, just can't afford it. Why, what, why are you buying things for kids that have no understanding of those things for Christmas? Oh, did you feel like they're going to be left out? What? Who gives a shit? You'd rather go bankrupt. You'd rather go bankrupt. You'd rather put yourself in a financial disposition than feel left out. Hey, I'm just telling you straight. I'm ensuring I feel left out because Christmas is the fakest time of the year. It's the most fakest time of the year. That is what Christmas is about to me. And that's why I picked this track because this track couldn't be further away from Christmas. Buried alive. There's no Christmas. I realise there's not much hip-hop hype in Christmas. Because I think most real ones, most Christmassy type people, know that Christmas is a fake time of the year. I don't ever remember anything big or massive happening during Christmas. No Christmas drop. I can't even think of a good Christmas number one, even though it's like a big accolade to have. It's always been a bit of faff, isn't it? And that is why I picked this tune. I cannot wait to get started. Let's go in. Looking in the mirror, I'm embarrassed. I'm feeling like a suicide terrorist. React like an infant whenever you are mentioned. You, you, the death of me. Looking in the mirror, I'm embarrassed. I'm feeling like a suicidal terrorist. React like an infant whenever you are mentioned. What an incredible set of lines with Kendrick trying to explain about, oh, look, for those who have not heard this song or don't know the context behind this song, this song was essentially Kendrick Lamar's introduction to the mainstream worldwide audience because he was put on Drake's album Take Care which was a you know massive album and actually had some fucking incredible tracks on there as well I had already known about Section 80 I'd already listened to Section 80 I already knew about Kendrick so everyone who was a real one and knew about Kendrick from the underground, knew about Kendrick from the underground. And I essentially think Kendrick approached this track in a manner. He stated that he approached it from a multitude of ways. And you can see the interview if you want to see the interview. But he's also sort of said, if I accept this offer, because I kind of want this, I want this for myself. I also know the consequences of it. I know the consequences of going mainstream will mean that I potentially, he never did, but potentially lose all his conscious rap bars integrity because he's going to end up being chewed up by the system. You know, it's not the system. It's not you that changed the system. It's the system that will eventually change you. Weirdly enough, with regards to Cole, Drake and Kendrick, the opposite has applied. They have changed the system. The system hasn't actually changed them, which is a, an incredible testament to all three artists. But he feels like a suicidal terrorist because he's killing the person he used to be for the hopes of a better life. He knows that if he jumps on this track, the opportunities could be endless. Similar to the afterlife that terrorists are often promised for the sacrifice of killing themselves. So I feel like a suicidal terrorist, someone I know that I've got to kill myself in order to achieve 
the better things that I potentially are destined to achieve. He's embarrassed because when he looks in the mirror, he realizes he's becoming a mainstream rapper and is on the verge of blowing up. But there's an integrity in being an underground rapper that he is jostling with and he's fighting with. It also means that Kendrick would actually kill himself due to all of the anxieties and issues that come along with fame itself. So there's just a lot, of, a lot of pressure. Looking in the mirror, I'm embarrassed. I feel like a suicide terrorist. React when an infant, whenever you are mentioned. Now, I don't particularly know what Kendrick means by this, but I will say this, that I know I felt like this in a multitude of scenarios. So one is when I go back to India and I visit where my grandparents used to live. Sadly, they've passed away now. But whenever I go to that house, I feel like a kid again. I feel like I react like an infant because I kind of go, whoa, I remember what I was doing when I was this age, when I was here. It's, and it's not just the visuals. It's, it's the, all the senses. It's the smell. It's uh, the sounds, because we live quite like up in the sticks somewhere. It's very wildlife-esque. And it's just like a really raw and intriguing feeling. And it's a feeling you always try to want to share with people. Now, I guess that's because I've had a lot of po positive memories there. But you can imagine the same thing in a situation where you've had loads of negative memories there too, right? Then, when you meet uh, an ex that either's darked you or you've darked them. Usually it's when you've been darked by them. So when the ex is like fucked you over and you see him and you cross him, react like an infant whenever you are mentioned. It's like, oh, you just, someone mentions that name and you kind of just, something stabs away at you. And you're just like, you are acting like an infant because you almost have this sort of temper tantra feeling on the internals. You don't show it outwardly, usually nine times out of ten, I don't I just kinda ignore it exactly act like it didn't exist. But internally, fucking hell, you don't half feel it. Mind over matter never worked for my nemesis. I'm in the matter of a man. Arm wrestling hands I was dealt when I said the music business was all I needed. Mind over matter never worked for my nemesis. I'm in the matter of man, arm wrestling hands I was dealt when I said the music business was all I needed. Mind over matter never worked for my nemesis. Ooh, this is such an interesting line. Looking back at it however many years ago, I think. This is 2012, I think. This is just about, if not more than 10 years ago. Mind over matter never worked for my nemesis. So in the context of this song, I guess his nemesis was... Fame. His nemesis was fame, money, bitches and hoes. That was his nemesis. And all those people and all those personalizations of those things have an ability to use what they have to be happy. But those things become vices that lead to huge unhappiness. But Mind Over Matter never worked for my nemesis is crazy reading back because Kendrick could be seen saying this straight directly to Drake. This tune was 
based off a conversation that Drake and Kendrick have when they met for the first first time or second time. I can't remember off the top of my head. But you could see that actually, you know, people call Drake a sensitive rapper. Or I don't know if he's sensitive or if whatever his beefs are internals. I don't think you ever really get a clear picture of what's going on. But if there's one thing I do know is that the relationship between Kendrick and Drake is completely break, broken down. I am going to post a link to an incredible video I watched that explains right from the start to the end the relationship, the beef between Kendrick and and Drake. And it just is, it was such a great watch and it was so well put together and it's so obvious that basically they beefed. Well, Drake will always in his hand, or in his power play hand, in his card, will always say that I put Kendrick on. He's always going to tell himself that. Since then, then they, since then, the control verse happened and there was a lot of beef out of that. And then it's hard to deny that Kendrick is loved by his peers way more than Drake. How much of that is hate towards Drake and his numbers? How much is that just legit refrain? Because, you know, what Drake does is almost game certain things, a line that I will mention going forward in this episode. But on top of it is that maybe Drake's not considered a real one to those that know or that define what a real one is. And whereas Kendrick is because he's made himself stick to his values and principles through his music and managed to get not only critical acclaim, but mainstream acclaim as well. So it's interesting because I feel like and if you go and watch that video, Drake has consistently and consistently and consistently reached out to Kendrick to try and make, to bury the hatchet. Kendrick's had none of it. He's either never responded or he's just taken a subliminal, which then leads to Drake doing the subliminal, which then leads to Kendrick doing the subliminal. And then there's a massive gap. And then Drake will go, ah, oh, listen, let's be mates again. And then Kendrick will either ignore it or Chuck a subliminal and the cycle starts again. I don't know what's gone on, but this line really reads like Kendrick is saying it directly to Drake on his own track, that Drake is actually not on at all. Very interesting, don't you think? Very interesting to me. I'm in the matter of a man, arm wrestling hands I was dealt when I said the music business was all I needed. Wow, like visually specific yet sonically abstract. What an incredible set of lines. Mind over matter. I'm in the matter of man. Like, you know, I'm dealing in the real world. I haven't got my, I haven't got the opportunity to use my mind or elaborate. I'm fighting. I'm arm wrestling. All the cards I've been given, section eight housing, um, all the trials and tribulations. I don't necessarily want to repeat for the purpose of this podcast but I know Kendrick has been through some shit and I know that Kendrick has during his childhood been exposed to some real gangster shit shit that I've got no clear sight or vision on but he's had to wrestle all of that he's had to negotiate all of that and come out with the one thing that he wanted which was a contract a music contract music business was all I needed but it's interesting because then I think it's the intro to to Pimper Butterfly like for free 
and tracks like King Kunta, where actually it was it was never going to be enough. The music business wasn't what all he needed. It's so funny where you go, ah, oh, all I want is a professional contract. Ah, oh, all I want is a job. I mean, I could directly rate it to me. All I said is, I just really want a new job. I just really want a new job. I just want to segue out of this career that I'm in and go into something new. Cause And then I got it. And then I didn't want it after a month. It's crazy. I was like, no, 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 no. This is what I want. All I need, all I need, all I need is very, very interesting and very, very reflective of this year that's been a shit year for me for 2023. When I got it, I was greeted by an alien that said last year that she slept with a Canadian that gave him an addiction that kept him in Mercedes Benz, bright lights, and Rihanna as a lady friend. When I got it, I was greeted by an alien that said last year that she slept with a Canadian and gave him an addiction that I keep him in Mercedes Benz, bright lights, and Rihanna has a lady friend. <sighs> Pause. <laughs> Badness, bad bars. Uh, just the flow and the cadence is crazy. And this one's the opposite, really, because this is visually abstract yet sonically specific because he's greeted by an alien. What's the alien? Could be anything. Could be money, could be cars, could be girls. It seems like the way he's saying is that I was greeted by an alien, like I was greeted by a, a woman who last year slept with a Canadian. So it's like, you can think about the kind of girls that Drake was probably getting and still has access to. And they're like, they're probably like all 10 out of 10 is right. And he's thinking, this is alien to me. I don't have girls just falling in front of me just like this. Why? Because I'm meeting Drake. She's an alien. This, this is extremely alien to me, but she's so stunning. She's so incredible. She's so fire that it's given Drake an addiction to that life. The Mercedes Benz, the cars and the clothes, the money and the O's and bright lights and Rihanna as a lady friend. So all of the lights, all of the lights, the, 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 the Rihanna as a lady friend. And we know that there is some sort of relationship history between Drake and Rihanna as well. So a lot fitted in there in the space of four lines. Bars. Women love when you're my type and you're winning from everything that your palm right. Put her in the Palms Hotel, Sin City. Women love when you're my type and you're winning from everything that your palm right. Put her in the Palms Hotel, Sin City. It's interesting, isn't it? Because what is Kendrick explaining as a type? Is he just saying that women love you when you're famous and rich? Probably, probably. I guess that's, you can't blame women for that. You can't blame women for saying, hey, you're really famous and you're really cool and you're really rich. How can you blame someone for not being appealed to that? Like, yeah, there's a little bit of lack of sincerity to it. Maybe there's a lack of substance towards that from the male's perspective or the other person's perspective but at the same time you go to yourself what's the one thing that drives people's attraction to one another or attraction to things it's desirability and to this day i think it's desirable to be rich and it's desirable to be famous until those two things aren't desirable anymore 
women are always going to be attracted to that. And then I just love the fact that you're winning from everything that your palm right. Like he's basically saying that the bars that I write is helping me attain this fame and success. And women love that. And women love that. I'm not saying all women. I don't want to make that huge generalization. I know that there are completely real ones out there as well regarding it, but it's just Kendrick barring off. Uh, put them in the Palms Hotel. So everything that your palm right, the double entendre with the Palm Hotel, Sin City and Vegas. What a place. I don't think Vegas is Sin City anymore. I genuinely don't think so. Like the times that I've been, I've been like three, four times. It's been a vibe, man. It's been really, really, really fun. I think if you go out of your way to want to like get crack and drugs and prostitutes, whatever, then yeah, maybe it's there or there's pockets of it. Like you have to really, really go out of your way to go find it. Otherwise, Vegas is amazing. Vegas is such a vibe. It's not Sin City anymore. It's Vice City, Six Cities. Has anyone seen the trailer to GTA? Raw madness. So instead of a verse being read, I'ma go get some head of the strength of my music. I tell a bad bitch your ass too fat, capitalize that, and your weave look good with the Indian tracks. So instead of a verse being read, I'ma go and get some head off the strength of my music. I tell a bad bitch your ass too fat, capitalize that, and your weave look good with the Indian tracks. I just love the flow. The flow hair is different. It's just unbelievable and like your ass too fat capitalize that that is just rhythm is different and then you get that thing isn't it that thing of in the fame is now starting to already intoxicate him instead of a verse being read like being potentially religious and reading a verse from a particular scripture or being well read, like, you know, getting, gaining more knowledge. I'm going to go and get some head off the strength of my music. It's like, I'm, I'm going to just go towards that pleasure, that desire. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, my music's good enough now. My music's good enough now. Is it good enough now? I think it is good enough now because Drake's given me the opportunity to put me on. So maybe it's good enough and I'm going to go and enjoy that. And I'm going to go get blinded by those vices and then the last two lines about your ass being too fat capitalize that kendrick called only fans out like as in kendrick called or explained what only fans is 10 years ago your ass too fat capitalize that they're like like madness here's a really really interesting scenario that i've always painted imagine i said to you you could be uh, a, let's go extreme and say, let's imagine that you could be a billionaire. You could, you, you're going to grow up and you're going to become a billionaire and you're going to like have all the money and like, you're going to have no worries. You could literally anything that you can imagine you kind of have, but the only way you become a billionaire is inheritance through your mum's only fans. That's mental, isn't it? Like, and then add it up and say, would you take that choice or not? And the other thing is, if you don't take that choice, then you're going to be broke. Which one would you pick? Knowing that all those kids, and I don't think some of these women think this shit through, or maybe they do, or maybe they're constrained, because I think to myself, man, 
yeah, you might get maybe 20 grand a year as a teacher, but you could get 200 grand a year as an OnlyFans model. It's, you can't blame someone for taking that choice. But then, like, maybe you go and have kids, or maybe you want to have kids, or maybe you want a meaningful relationship. Your husband and your children have to kind of accept that you are, like, usable. <laughs> I don't know what other word to use, but you are usable to everyone around the world. Kids might be able to access those videos and, like, tease your children. Would you want that? Like, I certainly wouldn't. It's kind of a fucked up scenario. It's definitely the type of scenario that you wouldn't usually bring up during Christmas. But guess what? Why am I bringing it up? Because I don't like Christmas. This ain't about Christmas. Fakemas. Fake Semba. Remember what month you're in. The same day we say we're in the area cruising in Toronto. Hit me on the cellular. I thought he was going to sell me a false word like the other rappers I know. Sat down with a few drinks. Located where you can't see us. A white waitress on standby when we need her. A black made back, 40 pulled up cheap, no doors, all that N-word was missing was Aaliyah. In the same day we say we in the area, cruising in Toronto. Hit me on the sale, I thought he was gonna sell me a fast word like the rappers I know. Sat down with a few drinks, located where you can't see us. A white waitress on standby when we need her. A black made back, 40 pulled up cheap, no doors, all that nigga was missing was Aaliyah. So just an interesting um, detail of events of how Drake met Kendrick. And it was interesting because I thought he was going to sell me a false word like the other rappers I know. I wonder who those rappers were. I wonder who those rappers were that sold Kendrick short at the time. They must feel like idiots. But on top of that, does Kendrick believe that Drake sold him short now? In this particular moment, if I was to ask him today and say, during that conversation, did Drake give you some false words? Or is everything regarding that meeting contextually stayed consistent and true? And you just forgot about it because too much has happened between now and then. It's very interesting. And then the line, like all that, n-word was missing was Aaliyah it, it was it's an incredible way for Kendrick to portray it in terms of oh my god this guy has everything this guy has everything I want and the only thing he's probably if he had Aaliyah he'd he'd be my idol it's almost like the way Kendrick is painting this individual and it's so interesting that over a you know a period of 10 years how much that's changed Felt like the initiation, a reality living in the matrix. Felt like the initiation, a reality living in the matrix. Just a bar. And I almost think that Kendrick must have had that moment, most likely in the mirror, when he was about to send what he was had barred off on top of this production that 40 had produced. I think a few others produced it as well. Let me just double check. Yes, Supper Dups and 40 produced this. So Kendrick must go to himself, hmm, do I do this? Do I send these bars 
over what's being produced. Because the moment I do it, it is literally like the initiation. It's like taking the red pill. You either take the red pill or the blue pill. And the moment he sent those bars across, he'd basically taken the red pill because he completely changed the trajectory of his life. Bar in itself. We talk casually about the industry and how the women be the tastemakers for the shit we make in. Then he said he was the same age as myself and it didn't help because it made me even more rude and impatient. We talk casually about the industry and how the women be the tastemakers for the shit we make in. Then he said that he was the same age as myself and it didn't help because it made me even more rude and impatient. Two things, two massive things here, really interesting. They talk casually about the industry. They know stuff that clearly I don't. And the, how the women be the tastemakers for the shit that we making. No, no one solved the repeatability, marketability trick, appeal to women better than Drake. No one, no artist ever has been able to do it. And, you know, say what you want about some of his albums, like, certified lover boy i was not a fan of at all but you you can say what you want but he gets what it ticks for women and no one navigated it better than drake what's incredible is i feel like no one navigated it for themselves better than kendrick so in terms of numbers drake wins every time there's no doubt about it but in terms of values principles conscious rap meaning you know the fact that all right was used the way that it's used as a an anthem and a, a way of fighting back for you know certain senses of, of oppression it's not an easy thing to, it's not an easy thing to achieve uh in this generation of music and i just think wow i just think wow two incredible individuals i'll always be Kendrick fan I've always said this from day dot Kendrick is my number one and the fine oh the, the second thing I wanted to say was Jose in it Jose 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 J-O-S-E Fat Joe taught me that one jealous one still envy jealous one still envy and Kendrick was looking at this guy going you gotta think Drake was huge Drake was in massive, like massive is not even the word when Take Care dropped. He was already guy, 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 enormous. And so can you blame Kendrick for going, what the fuck? You're my age? And you got to think about the body of stuff that Drake had already produced up until that point. And then to release Take Care, and you know some of the singles on that track are just absolute bangers right you can't blame Kendrick for feeling jealous you can't blame Kendrick for feeling jealous and he might say rude and impatient but rude and impatient is another way of saying jealous I want it I want what you got what's unique is that Kendrick slowly started not wanting what Drake has he wanted something else he wanted something deeper in my opinion at least so blame it on Mr. OVO XO. The reason why I'm breathing all the vanity I know. Just an incredible set of lines, but also an indictment in retrospect 
towards Drake because him and The Weeknd broke up as well, right? Like OVO EXO, that was all meant to be some huge thing. And then I remember, I remember The Weeknd breaking away from Drake and Drake feeling some type of way about that too. So, you know, there's, there's a pattern. There's a pattern. Does Drake try to absorb threats like the way Microsoft, Google, Facebook with Instagram and WhatsApp is, you know, do, is, is Drake that? Is he a huge, powerful conglomerate that anyone that he thinks is about to fly off, he absorbs? Or is he trying to just do the best for those people the way he sees them best? Like he just fights for quality of music. And he, like he, he clearly knew what Kendrick had. He clearly knew what The Weeknd had. He wasn't naive to that. It's even more so interesting with Kendrick because I think Drake probably listened through the streets and just heard the heat. But when he actually listened to the album, when he listened to Section 80, and when he listened to Good Kid Mad City, he must have thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> you can't. He he knows his shit. So, you know, the reason why I'm breathing all the vanity I know is for Mr. OVO XO. And, you know, as much as Kendrick is my number one or my favorite rapper, I'm not saying he's a go. I'm just saying he's my favorite rapper. It's interesting because I think, did Kendrick make a mistake by agreeing to do this track? If I ask him that in the in the game of power and chess and whatever you want to call it, was was this a mistake by him to do this feature? Because it's not a feature. It's a Kendrick Lamar track. It's only Kendrick on this track. There's no there's no Drake rapping. And yet Drake's got the claim. He's got his name on this this title of this track. He's got featuring Kendrick Lamar. It's called Buried Alive. And in some respects, was this metaphorically Drake's attempt at trying to bury Kendrick alive? A mad one when you when you think of it like that, right? And he's breathing all the vanity and knows because Drake exposed him to this. But yeah, I think Kendrick would have got there whether Drake was putting him quote unquote on or not. I think it's a little, little trip up. And I would have loved to be able to pose the question to Kendrick in private because it'd never probably ever be disclosed. But it'd be like, did you make a mistake there? Because you just gave Drake an am- some ammunition. You gave him something to say forever for the rest of his life. Not that it matters in the grand scheme of things, because it doesn't. It really doesn't. But was it a mistake? I think it was. The reason why my best friend says she loved me more than life, but I live a double life and need to let her go. The reason why the highlight was when he said, you belong to the people when you're outside. So dig a shovel full of money, full of power, full of pussy, full of fame and bury yourself alive. Then I die. An incredible set of lines to finish the track. 
And I guess another reason why I picked this track is because I feel like I've got to do this stuff. I feel like I have to bury myself live. I feel like I have to dig the version of Abby, the 2023 version of Abby. I've got to dig him out and chuck him in a fucking coffin and bury him alive and move into the 2024. This track is the beginning of the reincarnation of me for the year of 2024. And I've got to let go. Like, you know, my best friend says she loved me more than life but I live a double life and need to let her go. And it's like, I think I need to let a lot of things go. I've just got to let it all go. I've got to just cut all my ties with it all and project myself, explode myself into a new 2024. And not none of this New Year's resolution bullshit. I don't mean it like that. I mean it in the context of I actually genuinely need to cut ties with a lot of things, identity-wise, people-wise. Uh, people need to be shifted and orientated into their correct boxes to where they fit in my life for me to become a better version of me. And then I died. Nothing but love to Drake and all his fans. Nothing but love to Kendrick Lamar and all of his fans. Nothing but love to all the BRL listeners out there. One.